Amen. Amen. You know, Vic and uh, and Jim, they went to Tanz- They went with us to Kenya, but they flew to Tanzania and and they had an amazing time over there. And then, of course, us and our team and different ones from the church. If you went on that trip with us, stand, stand to your feet and you guys stand. Amen. Amen. And we had such an awesome time. And uh, man, just it's just awesome. And so we just want to thank everyone for being a part of that trip. And and hopefully we'll be able to have more photos and more uh, more things about about the trip. And and this morning we have Pastor Carla with us, and I'm going to bring her up in just a moment. And she is the the pastor over there and in Kenya. And you've been there for how long? Thirty thirty one years. So um, it's a little country girl from Oklahoma um, that God sent over to Kenya. Uh, to be in Kenya for 31 years and still going strong. Vision is getting stronger. And, and before I bring, bring her up, and, and this is our Mission Sunday, you know, just about heritage of faith and, and how this church was, was birthed in, in the heart of this ministry, being a part of Jerry Savelle Ministries International, because we're an outreach of that. And you know, Dr. Savelle has been going international since since the 70s. He went into Africa in, you know, I believe 78, 76 was the first time. And, and going over there and, and just ministering and having a heart for mass discipleship. You know, and so our church is, is no difference. And, you know, when um, about a month or so after the church was established or started, uh, the Lord gave Miss Carolyn an acronym for heritage. And the H stands for have a heart for the nations. That's what our H stands for. E is express the love of God. R is reach out to families. I is invest in missions. T is teach the uncompromising word of faith. A is act on the word of God. G is get to know Jesus personally. And E is enjoy one another. That's what heritage stands for, what the Lord gave Miss Carolyn. So two of those is one is about nations, having a heart for the nations, and also invest in missions. You know, when we came back from the, from, from the trip, and this is always the case in my heart, is, is there's always a sense of urgency. Say sense of urgency. You know, that, that we need to live with a sense of urgency. I, I believe these are the last days. And, 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 I, and I believe that we, one, can't be silent. I believe that we can't be asleep. We need to be awake. We need to have a sense of urgency about our lives. Jesus had a sense of urgency about his call, about his mandate. He said, I must be about my father's business. I must be, I must be about the work. John chapter nine says, I, I must have worked the work. I must work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is still day. Meaning there's this sense of urgency. There's this mandate. There's this, there's this burning desire within Jesus to fulfill something. You know, he even, even said in Hebrews, he said, he, he talked about how he goes, you know, I've come to do your will, O Lord. He says, he goes, I, I, I've come. He goes, in the volume of the book, it's written of me. I, I come to do your work. Behold, in the book, it's written of me. That's right. There's a sense of urgency. You know, so, so as, as Pastor Carla comes up this morning, listen from the standpoint of we are a nations-minded church. Listen from the standpoint you know, Joe McCroskey is our international director. And so Joe is gone more than he's here. And, uh, and, and Joyce can vouch for that. And, you know, he's all over the place, traveling the nations. And, and if we don't have our own work in a place, we don't reinvent the wheel. We, 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 we get involved in other people that are doing works in those nations. There's 10 African nations that we're involved in. 
I mean, uh, we're Singapore, uh, China, the Ukraine, Australia, all, the, I mean, all over Canada, um, in, uh, the Navajo Nation. There's so many things that your seed does or your mission seed does here. So as you listen this morning, listen with hearts open and I want you to have, a, I want you to gain a sense of urgency throughout our time together this morning. Amen. Amen. Pastor Carla, come on up. Welcome home. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Justin. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated in the love of God. Oh, what a joy it is for me to be at Heritage of Faith. Before I begin, I just want to say something. Where is the drummer of the praise and worship team? He's where? Oh, out in the lobby with the baby. You know, I just noticed he's such a warrior in the spirit. He has the heart of a warrior. And I I just felt this rise up on the inside of me that there is coming a great warrior anointing on the praise and worship here. And that many victories are going to be won in 2019 and going forward because you have warriors on your praise and worship team. So come with an expectation. When you're in a battle, when the enemy looks and feels bigger than you are, come with an expectation. When you come to Victory Faith Church, are you the drummer? Brother, you're a warrior. And I heard the Spirit of God say that in my heart. And I, I, I think, um, in fact, I know you need to be coming with an expectation. Not that you're doing God a favor by coming early enough for praise and worship. No, but that you're going to obtain victory in your praise and your worship. Hallelujah. Lots of battles are going to be won here when you gather together to lift up warrior anointed worship against the enemies that come to steal, kill, and destroy. So I just felt to release that. Let me tell you, we love and adore Pastor Justin, Pastor Annette, of course, Dr. Savell and Carolyn, but Heritage of Faith Church is so dear. We consider you part of our big African family. You have family on the other side of the world who love you, value you, your gifts, your presence, the love that you bring. When Pat, when we know Pastor Justin is coming, we know there is going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because of how you love the nations. Pastor Justin, that's just going to grow and increase your heart for the nations. When they come, 
They pour out the word. It's the word in the morning. It's the word at noon. It's the word in the evening. Every time we're with them, there's such a flow and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We value you. We love you. We esteem you. He and Pastor Annette and the team were fantastic this year and how we value that. I can talk all day long. So I've got lots of scripture stories, illustrations. So what I'm going to do is a little bit here and a little bit there and pray you grab it. And that when you leave, you will have a vision prayerfully, not only to participate with our mission in Kenya, but that God will have done something through his word and through his spirit to and in your heart. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 in the Amplified Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now I'm just going to stop right there and say, when you do not have a vision for the will of God for your life, you will perish. Of course, if you never receive Jesus, one perishes eternally, but you can be born again. And yet the vision that God has for your life, the will of God, the purposes of God, the direction that your life is to take, it also will perish without vision and you will be born again. But then you leave this life with your destiny unfulfilled. So vision is critical. And church, let me tell you something. Part of the vision for every child of God is to participate in world evangelism and in missions that go out beyond your immediate surroundings and your local community. Although that's part of God's vision for you. But God says to us to go into all the world. And do you know when you partner and participate with missionaries who live in other lands and and do their part of the vision God has for a generation, we some of us do our part of that vision located in other nations. And when you partner with missions and missionaries, God is able, enabling you to go into all the world. It's not just the missionaries who go into all the world. That is a command for every believer. So every single believer needs a big worldwide vision that includes the nations in the earth. Vision includes purpose and direction. God has a magnificent plan for every one of us to fulfill for his glory. Just a little scripture, Ephesians 2.10 in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. 
Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. So your destiny will never be fulfilled unless you receive from God the revelation you are called to the nations. Don't let the devil squeeze and contain and put a ceiling on your life. God has a huge destiny for you, but you'll never fulfill that destiny unless you're committed to do the good works he's prepared for you to do. In the Message Bible, it says, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. That's amazing. We had better not let the devil convince us we're too poor, we're too unable, and he can give you all kinds of reasons that you're unable to do more than just exist. You have to break out of those restrictions and limitations and know we're to join Jesus in the work he's doing in our generation. Psalm 40 and verse 8 in the Passion Translation says, I delight to do your will, my God. That's, that's a, a very necessary commitment to make. Father, when you give me an assignment, when you reveal an aspect of your will that I'm to participate in, I will delight to do your will, O God. The easy to read version says, my God, I am happy to do whatever you want. You know, I've, I've, I've had to develop in that. Uh, sometimes it's not been easy. My husband passed away six years ago, a bit over six years ago. We've had many, many things that we've encountered in 31 years of living on the mission field. All kinds of enemies, all kinds of battles, times that it didn't seem possible to continue on, but you have to stay committed, whether it's easy or whether it's hard. Whether you're in warfare, whatever your circumstances are, Lord, I'm, Lord, I'm not going to gripe and grumble and be unhappy. I am happy to do your will, oh God. That's very, very important in fulfilling your destiny. Now, uh, the last time that I spoke to you, I shared that my husband and I went to Kenya as teachers of the word. And in the years that we were there, uh, we initially went under Dr. Savell's direction and so forth. That's a long story. But uh, then we began a church there in Kenya. And one time, it was 2001, Wade took a trip. I've told you this story, a missions trip with our church. And he returned profoundly affected by a a group of dozens of orphans 
that he saw with his own eyes literally rise up out of the dust. He thought he was looking at a plowed field. But when the children were spoken to, they rose up out of the dust, dirty, many of them with rags on, all of them had rags on, some of them almost naked, rejected by their community. Their parents had died of HIV AIDS. It is a pandemic in Africa. We had no budget to help them. We, there, there was not money in hand, but we made a commitment. Actually, I'll tell you something that we never told anyone for years, but we canceled all of our insurance to get money in hand, including life insurance, to get money in hand to start feeding those children one meal a day. Feeding them one meal a day, then we moved into uh, a, a medical clinic that we went there and Oh my goodness, we were profoundly affected by the diseases we saw and the things we treated that day with doctors, nurses, and a large contingent from our church. We pitched tents out in a field and fought Budalongi mosquitoes. I think they're the biggest mosquitoes in the world. But we were all profoundly affected by that. And then the next thing we did, we... uh, stepped it up. We began trying to see, is there some way we can educate them? And then one day in 2004, we were there and we had taken Christmas to them and the kids were playing soccer. And I heard something I'd never heard before. I heard them laughing profoundly affected me. And the moment that laughter pierced my hearing, the Lord said to me, don't just keep them alive give them a life. Totally changed our perspective. We were no longer helping poor, destitute, fatherless children, but we took them as our sons and daughters. And we started a school there. After my husband died, I closed all of that down. We went from two to one, and there had to be some restructuring of the ministry. And I brought a number of them to Nairobi. To They're my older children. A number of them are in universities and colleges, and several of them have graduated. And they're out in life on their own. But... Uh, caring for these children has profoundly changed our lives and enlarged our hearts. And I wanted to give you a bit of that background to let you know God will take the life of, of a believer and require of you sacrifice and require of you uh many things that are necessary to rescue fatherless children. The orphan is precious to the father. They are the most vulnerable in any society and in any nation. The two most vulnerable in any society and any nation are the widow and the orphan. 
And they are very precious to the Lord. And so we continued developing the uh, ministry. Our outreach has grown through the years to orphans. And in 2016, we were... The education system in Kenya is very chaotic, and it's very corrupt. We used to be number two on the list of most corrupt nations. You know, there are top ten lists you don't want to be on. <laughs> Being on the, among the most corrupt nations uh, on the earth, that's not a list you want to be on. We were number two. But thank God, through the grace of God, we're only number nine. Right now, I checked it just a few weeks ago. We're making headway. But, you know, somebody has to go in to a nation. And we're certainly not saying we're the only ones by far. Uh, But you're planted in a nation to teach the word of God with integrity of heart. And you act in integrity of heart. And God just begins to multiply his word and multiply the integrity of his Holy Spirit. So the education system, you know, I I won't go into the details. One of the most corrupt ministries in Kenya, we call the ministries, not government departments, but they're called ministries. And so in 2016, in the garage of the home that we lease for our 50-plus kids that are in our home orphanage and child care center, because we were seeing so many gaps in their education, we started our own school, which had been a dream of my heart, in the garage of the home that the children live in. And we've had great success, big gaps in reading and understanding and uh, mathematics and so on and so forth, many gaps there. And so for three years, the school has been operating in our garage, but I had such a desire to build a school and have it be a real school. In fact, the Lord told me, raise up leaders for me. And I thought, Lord, how do I do that when the uh, education system that we're able to afford has so many gaps in it and problems in it? And one day I was coming around the corner of the church. We're also constructing the church sanctuary. And I was coming around the corner and I looked where we had begun building a children's church. They were in tents at that time. And the Lord, I looked up and the Lord just spoke to me and said, there's your school. I was believing to buy more land and so on and so forth. And so from that time, we began drawing plans and building the school. And uh, let me read just a little more scripture to you. I don't want to skip this because I want this to enter your heart. It's not that you don't know it and understand it, but I'm always blessed when I read it myself. James 1.27 in the Amplified Bible says, Pure and unblemished religion as it is expressed 
in outward acts in the sight of God and Father is this, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. Psalm 10 and verses 12 through 18, if we could have that up. Arise, Lord. The psalmist had been talking about the effect of the wicked and the corruption of the wicked and how people were suffering and they were afflicted because of wicked leaders and wicked people in society. And finally, he cries out, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, He won't call me to account, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted, You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness. That would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never strike terror again. Do you see how the Lord keeps referring to the fatherless? when he's talking about the afflicted and the oppressed. And that's because no one is more vulnerable than a child without father, without mother, perhaps rejected by the community because the parents died of AIDS. There can be a lot of superstition uh, attached to AIDS, and many consider it to be witchcraft, that witchcraft is, is involved so The destitution of orphans is very much on the Father's heart. Then Hosea 14.3 says, For in you, O Lord, the orphan finds love and compassion and mercy. How does the orphan find any love? Because I'll tell you, it's not out there in the world. The world seeks only to exploit orphans. They want them to come into crime enterprises with them. They look for orphans to sexually enslave them. They look for orphans to work with them in drug trafficking and so on and so forth. So without the intervention of the godly ones In their generation, there will be millions of orphans who, for whom God had designed a great destiny. Not only will they perish, but the great destiny 
that was upon their life that God intended to be such a blessing in their generation, it also perishes. And so with the godly, the orphan is to find love and mercy and compassion. Psalm 82 verses 3 through 4 say, now this is this is a command in, in uh, defend. That is an imperative. And it speaks to all of us. It means you and it means me. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. And the only way they will be free from the hand of the wicked is for a good Samaritan, uh, a Christian with a heart of compassion and understanding that, that an orphan child has a great destiny in God, but it is up to us to defend them and preserve that destiny and help them fulfill the destiny God has put upon their lives. Let me show you some pictures. I've never, uh, you know, I'm of the generation, it was 2005 before cell phones even came to Kenya. I remember how startled I was. Wade and I were one day, you know, we saw, we were driving along and there was this my size standing with his staff and his leg up like they do, talking on a cell phone. That was such a weird uh, sight that we saw. So we used to stand on the tallest termite hill that we could find and turn toward Nairobi and hold our phone up and <laughs> pray to get a signal. So you understand, I'm, I'm not that accomplished when it comes to technical things. But I do have a few pictures. They're not perfectly organized. Oh, is that the first picture? Okay, yeah. I don't know how. But anyway, we <laughs> that wasn't the picture I was expecting. But you can see that we have begun construction of the school. We've made more progress even than these pictures show. And Pastor Justin, would you say it's good construction? I want you to say that word. It's really good construction and really good restrooms. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted him to say that word because it's my vision not to just have gum poles and thatched roof and no, I'm trying to leave a heritage, even to honor Dr. Savelle. Here we've got some pictures. This is not yet, but it is the vision. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we've, we've done a lot on the ground for, floor. Phase one is not completed yet. Let me briefly tell you, I told you the education system was chaotic. I built the school or designed the school originally with the thought of uh, using the ACE, Accelerated Christian Education Program. Then the uh, government in 2018, the latter part of 2018, 
decided to change the Kenya curriculum, which was a very good thing. And then, so that, and they said, everyone has to be in compliance. So we had to rethink everything, learn the new system that's been in 2018. And, um, come up with a new plan and a new design because we've got to be in compliance and it's a good system that they're trying to put in place. Then they announced just weeks, Pastor Justin, before I came, they're sticking with the old system and all this work we had done. There was such an uproar. They said, we're going back to the new system. Then the minister of education said, no, we're going back to the old system. So I'm not sure yet. Maybe, maybe, maybe in 2019, they'll make up their mind, but we have quite a significant amount of construction to continue with, but we use our roof in the Eastern hemisphere. It's different than the West. We don't think of going out on the roof, but we use our roof in the Eastern hemisphere. So you can even see that we're going to make use of every inch of property that we have. And uh, go ahead with the pictures. Now, I'm expanding part of why I wanted to build a school. I mean, we took over three rooms of the house where our home is. We expanded beyond the garage and so on and so forth. I had to build a school. And... uh, and I'm exp- expanding my outreach to orphans. And so we've gone into a nearby slum and vetted uh, true orphan children. Most of them are being raised by their deeply poor grandmothers who cannot keep hardly maintain their own life, much less raise their grandchildren. This is a terrible burden in Africa. The, it touches my heart deeply when I see a grandmother struggling. I've had grandmothers bring me their children and say, I cannot feed this child, and they would be pitifully thin. The grandmother cared and loved that child, but could barely keep the child alive, much less give them an education. And so these are some of the children that are now in Heritage Leadership Academy. When we vetted them, they look like this. Now keep going, go forward. But this is the first day we leased two buses to go back into the slum and put the kids on the bus, go forward. And here they are arriving at the school, go forward. And here we are fitting them and giving them their uniforms. We're very British in Kenya. And uh, there they are in their uniforms. And with the teachers, here's one of the teachers. I mean, we're having to teach them everything. Uh <clears throat> They're, they were just like blank when we got them. Didn't know how to smile, hug, kiss. We're very affectionate in our church. We believe in hugs and love and, you know. And uh, they didn't know how to do any of that. Here we are. This is one of the classrooms we've built 
in the first picture you saw, this is one of our classrooms. And we have a feeding program for the children. My feeding program alone is $30,000 in 2019. And here we are with the teachers. And, of course, we're starting at ground zero. They're having music lessons. We have a music teacher for them. I want to raise up praise and worshipers. I want to raise up praise and worship leaders and instrumentalists. That's such a big part of my vision. And here they are playing. We've not built the playground yet, but it's coming. Look at them. Yeah. These pictures are just two weeks old. We just started. Here they are, fine motor skills. One of our teachers helping them. These toys and things we've purchased from Malaysia have. And here we are, the second day of school going back. And this time they're running for the school bus. In fact, the grandmothers say the kids love, love, love school. And they say they don't want to come home when it's time <laughs> time for us because we return them to their grandmothers. We're befriending the grandmothers and setting a relationship where we understand we're raising these children together. Hallelujah. Now, let can you hold that one? Let me tell you a story of some of our children. When the government calls me, I like to get the kids, my kids from the government, because then I don't have somebody pounding on my gate saying, I want that kid. That kid belongs to my family and so forth. So I love it when the government calls me and it's all, you know, no question that the child belongs with us. Because I tell the government, once you give me a child, we're not giving that child back. I, that, that's not good for a child. Back and forth and so forth. So they called me in April and said, uh, mother has died of AIDS, leaving eight children. The father has AIDS. He's very ill. He tried to commit suicide. He was so... Um, Low, not only with his health, the loss of his wife, but he did not have the strength to work and support his eight children. We have distributed the children in orphanages, but we're asking if you will take four of them. I immediately had a witness. These were children that would belong to us. And so this is the first day that they arrived, and they were crying and clinging to each other. They had already been separated from four of their siblings. And so they, they arrived very fearful of what was happening to them. Go forward. This is one precious little girl, Fiona. She's a five-year-old. She's the kind that when the day is over, she goes from room to room until she's hugged everybody and welcomed them home. They had a Christian mother. I knew they did. After we had been around them two or three days, they knew Christian songs. They were, you know, not misbehaving and uh, seemed to understand about going to church. 
And so I asked the oldest one, Dorcas, who is 11, recently, tell me about your mama. I know she must have been a very good woman. And she, Dorcas said, my mother was a Christian. She always took us to church. She, we sang hymns and prayed in our home. And my mother was playful. She loved to play games with us. I just fell in love with her mother. Her name is Teresia. I know before she died of AIDS that she was asking the Lord that her children would go into the hands of godly people, that he would take care of her children. I consider it such an honor to be raising these four children. This is little Sarah. What a love bug she is. And she is HIV positive. But we have, she's had health problems, but we've got her on antiretrovirals. And I'm believing for Sarah to go from positive to negative. Hallelujah. Now, here they are about two to three weeks after we got them. Can you see the contrast between the day we got them? Hallelujah. And yes, we dance in Africa. I tell you, part of a warrior don't we dance big? We dance in Africa. Part of a warrior anointing is dancing. I thought I would tell you that. I thought I would tell you that. That's part of a warrior anointing. Now, hold it right there. Thank you. Uh, this is our little girl. We don't know her last name. She came to us almost three years ago now, and she, the police called and said, we have a small child whose uncle is abusing her. Well, that can mean a lot of things. The mother died of AIDS. Her sister took the child, and the uncle has driven his wife away, chased her away, and he remains alone with this young child, and he's abusing her. Well, guys, there's no good reason for him to be with that five-year-old child. Not a, not a good reason on the face of the earth. I immediately said, we will take her. So the police waited till he left. They broke the door in, grabbed up Esther. This is the day they brought her to us. Now, I don't know if you can see this clearly, we don't have a staff photographer, and so sometimes pictures are better than others. But her face is full of infection. She had infection on her hands, wounds on her body. This child had suffered. And we think when we got her, we took her for medical treatment and examination. They said she's between five and six years old. And... Um, Anyway, this is the day we got her. Now go forward. This is Esther today. And oh, what a precious child she is. When the day we got her, one of our, the director of our home, Ruth uh, Muita, leaned down and said, what is your name? And in this tiny voice, she didn't speak English, but this is what she said, 
Queen Esther. So we call her Queen Esther. And uh, she loves to read. She loves the Bible. And she's a very smart, intelligent girl. She excels academically. I'm so glad that this ministry was able to be a part. What have you got there? Have you got a recent picture of her? Yep, that's her. Oh, she's so precious. And uh, I believe she's going to be a great woman of God. Hallelujah. This is an orphan who was headed down the road of destruction. There is no telling what that uncle would have done with her, where her life would be if she had not come into our hands. But she has a great destiny in God. Okay, go forward. Now, this is an, a picture years ago when we started Heritage Leadership Academy. Look at the girl on the left. Her name is Vivian Mutola. Vivian was about eight, about nine then, I guess. Go forward. That's her when she was probably six. This this is a, a slum that we brought a number of orphans out of. A failed orphanage was given to us by the government. This is Vivian today. Her mother was a big drug dealer, and she made what we call Changat's homemade brew. It's a strong drink, and uh, all kinds of problems. And she was teaching Vivian to sell drugs. And um, Vivian today is such, she's got such a mother's heart for the new kids that come in. And you can see she's got Fiona on her lap. And when these four children came in, Vivian was very instrumental. Vivian was hard for a few years. But a couple of years ago, her heart broke. She really received the Lord. Uh, she began uh, working hard in school and has had a complete, you know, when you get them and they're older and they've only known darkness, they've only known sin, they only know the ways of sin. It can take a while to get that breakthrough, but I can look in their eyes and tell when that breakthrough is working. Hallelujah. Vivian. Now, Eric, <clears throat> Eric was so malnourished and mistreated that his growth was stunted. He was part of this failed orphanage that we took over in April of 2012. And Eric, I noticed immediately, he, he would look at me and I could see, I hope Something good is happening. Can I trust that something good has finally come into my life? His parents had died. He was given to an uncle. The uncle's wife beat him, starved him. She would feed her family and make him sit on the floor and watch her family eat. She would buy her children shoes, but Eric walked barefooted. She would clothe them. Eric was in rags. That, the world makes a distinction between children who have parents and children who are orphans. 
Eric <clears throat> was so intelligent. <clears throat> and I shared that with a partnering organization. And a year ago, they said, Carla, we will take Eric. If you'll let us have him, we'll bring him to America. There is a partner. We have partners that sometimes take international children into their homes. And if you will let us have Eric, we will see to it because he was so smart that he gets a good education. So I had to <clears throat> do some adjusting in my heart and some surrendering. And I said, yes. So next picture. This is Eric today. Yes. Eric is 18 years old. I used to pray, Lord, just let him be as tall as I am, which is not saying much. But Eric was so malnourished, and he had stunted growth. But we fed him, and we were believing, and now he's up here. He's strong. He's muscular, and I'm going to see him in four days. Hallelujah. <laughs> A New York family took him, Yankees. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. If there are any Yankees in here, I'm teasing. <laughs> but uh, they took him, and they have him in a private academy. Do you know he tested right into the 11th grade, and he's in advanced placement in everything he's doing. And so God sent help where I was doing all I could do for him educationally. He's in the hands, but I'm still his mother, but I turned him over to another mother. Stacy Petron is also his mother from this other organization. And it's amazing how Psalm 68, six says, God puts the lonely in families. Isn't God gracious to do that? Go forward. And this is a picture I took, oh, a couple of years ago. We were on the roof of the school we're building. Go forward. And this was our Christmas picture for this year. It was on a Christmas card we sent to partners standing in front of the school. It's still under construction but we're using it and believing God, we will get it built. Is, are there any other pictures? I think that's the last one. That's it. Okay. So that gives you a glimpse into what we're doing. Now, let me close with this. I look it up every year. UNICEF, the UN is good for this one thing. They do pretty good with statistics. Hallelujah. And that's all I'm going to say about that. The UNICEF statistics say there are 153 million orphans in the world. 153 million. Kenya is a nation of 40 million. So you stop and think about that. This is several, the total number of or orphans is equal to the population of several nations, 153 million. So the Lord showed me something recently I'd never thought of before, but it totally elevated my perception, my understanding. 
and 153 million orphans. I had just looked it up and the Lord just impressed in my heart. Now, how many Christians are there? So I looked that up. There are 2.4 billion Christians. 153 million orphans, 2.4 billion Christians. Do you know, in the Lord's perspective, caring for 153 million orphans is not a problem. Vic, it's not an issue. To me, who is believing God for big things, it's a big issue. But from God's perspective, this is not an issue. If the body of Christ would commit to fulfilling James 1.27 of caring for the orphans of the world, God is a father to the fatherless. And these children are precious in his sight. I promise you it is part of God's vision for your life and part of your destiny to be involved with caring for orphans. Pastor Justin. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. It's my, uh, Af- it's my African mama too. So, uh-huh. you know, now you can see why we, we love going to Kenya mm-hmm. and um, being a part of this extraordinary organization. You know, um, what they're believing for this year, they just started the academy. And like I said, it was, a, it was a step of faith. Even when we were there, they were saying, should we wait for another year? Should we wait? And, and then just the Lord said, no, you need to, you need to start this now. And so they started that academy called Heritage, Heritage Academy. And, and you're a part of that. And, um, you know, what they're believing for this year for their budget just for the school part is 121000 So just be believing with them, with partners, you know, as she's here in America for a few more weeks, just going to different churches to, to help fund that. Because it's not free. <laughs> you know, it's, it's 121000 just for the academy. And then they're believing for additional 100000 for construction for this year so they can add, start doing the second floor on that particular building. And so, yes. Yeah. Brother, I need this won't work without a bus. (laughs) We're leasing. Yeah, yeah, we're leasing two buses. Of course, that's an added expense to the budget. But uh, the bus, new bus, I didn't want one that had been driven, you know, how I didn't know how it had been driven and would, I'd have to keep it in the shop a lot. A new bus was $51,000, and Brother Jerry has committed to getting that new bus. Amen. So I'm so, so grateful for that. Amen. Amen. You know, so, you know, so, so today, how can you be a part? You know, I I said a scripture before, um, before about Jesus saying that, that I come to do your will in the volume of the book, it's written to me. But I want you to, I want to you challenge you this morning. Can you say that about you? Because there's some things written about you in the volume of this book. Will you, will you respond to what this book has to say? You know, go into all the world. See, if you, if you went all the world and you reach someone else, then you know what? Then you can say like Jesus, I come to do your will, O Lord. In the volume of the book, it's written to me. Yes. You know, and, and so as you're preparing your heart 
to, to give this morning. And everything that's given this morning is going to go directly towards, you know, part of her budget for this year on, on doing this academy or whatever she wants to, wants to do towards that. So I want to encourage you and challenge you as you're preparing to give to what, can, what does the Lord want you to do? You know, when we went over there and, and, and talking with her, before we went, the Lord had instructed me on, on a few things. And, and one of those things was she, the Lord told us, he said, you know, in 2019, I don't want you to go international, you know, but I want you to stay and work and expand your local outreaches. That doesn't mean we're not going to sow. <laughs> that doesn't mean we're not going to be a part of international outreaches. It just means as a church, we're not going to go in 2019, but you can prepare yourself. If you want to go with us to Kenya, prepare yourself for April 2020 is when we're planning on going back to be a part of the KSCF conference and things like that. But, but this morning, as, as you sow, what is the Lord speaking to you about? And you received a brochure in your, in your chair when you came in. Uh, you can look that over, take that with you, and pray about being a partner. Pray about being a partner. I just calculated for if you had 240 people that would give $83 a month, they, she'd meet her budget for this year. 240 people giving $83 a month, that would meet her budget this year. You know, that's 240000 a little bit above 121000 and then 100000 for construction. So that's, and you know, and that's also what our, what our budget a lot of times is for missions throughout the year is the same thing about 240,000 and what we sow to other, organiza- other organizations, outreaches we do locally and so forth. So as you give this morning, realizing that you're being obedient to scripture and you can say, like Jesus said, I come to do your will in the volume of the book. It's written to me. You ready to give? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to give into missions. We thank you for the opportunity to give into the lives of the orphans. Thank you, Father, for those that are already with Pastor Carla and those that, are, that you will you'll be sending by divine appointment. Lord, I just thank you for your hand on these outreaches, your hand on this new adventure, this school, this academy that, you're, that you, you have established. I just thank you, Father, for the, the, it being noised abroad. And even those in other nations will hear what's taking place through this ministry. And I thank you that people will be hooked up with it and people will support it. Even, even Muslims, even people from other, other, uh, other, uh, other religions will hear what Pastor Carla and they're doing and what they're doing in reaching lives in Nairobi. I thank you that even other people will get hooked up with it. And I declare that they will not lack one thing. They will not come behind in one gift in any way. Father, as a church, our heart is connected with their heart. And I thank you that through us and them together, we're going we're to do your will. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Usher, see you and receive the offering. And while they're doing that, watch the announcement video.